Hey, group chat. I know y'all see my text. There's tea to be spilled. Each week, we're bringing you our unfiltered take on culture, news, dating, and our lives as Black millennial women. We're coming to y'all with the honesty and eye rolls that only a text chain with your girls can. This is Black Girls Texting with Chelsea, Glenn, and Shade. Welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Texting. It's just Chelsea and I for the intro bit. Glenn is... Hello. Where's Glenn? Flying to a wedding. Somebody's wedding. There's weddings. Y'all all got weddings. Um, Who knows with that child? (laughs) Anywho, um, let's jump in. Read a reply. Let's. On read or reply. Yeah. You want to start? Sure. Um, Listeners, if you're sensing a sense of urgency from me, it's because I am panicking. I have so much to do. It's actually fucking insane. Um, So I'm just leaving that on read. And yeah i need to order a tiles and a shower body and uh sinks toilets uh fucking crazy um trying to negotiate with my contractor because he just gave me his quote and it's actually madness but i guess that's adulting um nothing to reply to damn just (laughs) need to get this done So there's that. Okay. All right. Well, I will reply to my new job. Um, My, I feel like it makes a world of difference when you have a good or a bad manager, Mm -hmm. like a world of difference, no matter if it's a dream job. Um, If your manager's shitty, the job's going to be shitty. Um, And my manager this morning, I woke up to like a Slack conversation with my entire team, my manager, and his boss. And in the Slack, my manager proceeded to basically tell his boss how great everyone on his team is and what we've done. I've only been there for three weeks. And he, you know, we've had our one-on-ones where I'm telling him what I'm doing. And like, I'm new, like I'm, I'm not doing that much, but I am trying, right? And he like wrote it in such a way that was like so complimentary. And like, I feel like, as a manager, that's what you're supposed to do is figure out how to make your team shine. And he did that in such a amazing way. And I'm so grateful and I'm happy that we're off to this great start. So I'm going to reply to him. Um, and I am going to leave on red, just the amount of BBLs that I encounter (laughs) in Los Angeles. Um, no shade to the BBL girls. It's just like everywhere though. I'm like, does everyone have to get a BBL? But you know what? I guess I shouldn't leave that on red because do what the fuck you want to your body. It's just wild. I, I, I'm I'm very interested to see what our world is going, well, what LA is going to look like when we are all 70 with BBLs. It's going to be an exciting view. What a time to be alive. 70 with bbls yeah yeah and they're big bbls too they're not 
it's like a it's like a obvious I got this BBL in Colombia look, you know? And it's just very prevalent out here. So interesting. <laughs> I'm crying. It's very prevalent. <laughs> Damn. It's very prevalent. Well, you know, to each his own. To each its own or to each their own to each yeah, there yeah. do what you want um be safe do we have be safe do we have a black girl doing shit my good sis that's a black girl doing shit she just skipped over hotline bling y'all but it's okay oh. no one's hotline is blinging but me making payments Someone else's hotline is blinging with my Zelle payments. How about that? Um, But yes, of course, we have a Black girl doing shit. Um, She's also our guest on this week's episode. Brittany Jenkins, better known as Brie to her clients, is going to be stepping into the group chat. Um, But Uh, yeah, super exciting conversation that we had with her. You all are going to love it, I think. And let us know. But yeah, let's step on into the group chat. And now a word from our sponsors. What's up? This is Chelsea Pinky, and I want to give you the heads up on Cactus Plant Flea Market's latest collab with McDonald's. Cactus Plant Flea Market is the leading streetwear brand. Its drops are always highly coveted, and the brand is blessed by some of the biggest names in hip-hop culture. McDonald's is teaming up with the Cactus Plant Flea Market to launch the Cactus Plant Flea Market Box, a limited edition first of its kind collab. What's in the Cactus Plant Flea Market box, you ask? You can choose a Big Mac or 10-piece Chicken McNuggets with medium fries and medium drink. Plus, every box has an exclusive Cactus Plant Flea Market collectible. Plus, you can buy McDonald's slash Cactus Plant Flea Market merch at cpfmcdonalds.com. Order your Cactus Plant Flea Market box on the McDonald's app for your chance at drops you don't want to miss. The more you order through the app, the greater your chance to win exclusive McDonald's and Cactus Plant Flea Market merch. Sweepstakes ends October 30th, 2022 at 11.59 p.m. Refer to rules at mcdartistresidency.com. For no purchase instructions, purchase entry only available using MCD app must be opted into My McDonald's Rewards. Entry is limited to one time a day. The Cactus Plant Flea Market box available at participating McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Have fun. Enjoy. Hey, group chat, it's Sade, and I am so excited that the summertime is in full swing, and there's nothing better than a refreshing drink to cool down. Gold Peak Real Brew Tea is here to unleash your sense of try, to ignite new passions and rekindle old ones. So try a Gold Peak and then try something else, because this taste is worth the try. So try Gold Peak and tell them that Black Girls Texting sent you. Enjoy your summer, guys. Hey, BGT listeners, it's your girl, Chelsea Pinky. You don't need a summer getaway to transport yourself. Book yourself a smooth escape with the wax experts at European Wax Center. Smooth season has arrived. 
Your skin deserves the best. Stay confident all summer long with a smooth escape. Recharge, reconnect, and experience a new state of smooth. European Wax Center are the experts in waxing for everyone. At European Wax Center, you get the best by the best. Their certified wax specialists are expertly trained in prepping, protecting, and pampering your skin. The secret is their signature comfort wax. It's an exclusive blend of skin-soothing ingredients that lets them remove hair easily for a virtually pain-free experience. Book your smooth escape with the experts at European Wax Center. Make a reservation today. Your first wax is free. And now we are back with more Black Girls Texting. All right, y'all. It's time for the group chat. We have a beautiful, gorgeous Black girl doing shit in the building. We are joined by Brittany Jenkins, better known as Brie, to her clients. And she's been working in mental health, life coaching, and counseling services since 2002. She's a graduate of both Pepperdine University. I wanted to go there so bad. The, <laughs> the campus looks gorgeous. <laughs> Their Graduate School of Education in Psychology and Dillard University's Bachelor of Arts in Psychology program. So she has extensive training in the mental health field you know we only come to y'all with the experts <laughs> and knowing that everyone wants to feel comfortable with their therapist Brie is sensitive to cultural issues needs and various styles of communicating so beyond issues of ethnicity Brie is also a LGBT affirmative in her counseling style more than comforting style with clients Brie mixes several styles of therapy to meet the needs of the couples or individuals that seek her out she often pulls from cognitive behavioral therapy narrative humanistic person centered centered and mindfulness therapy um, and Brie is also a marriage and family therapist and dating and life coach specialist with two private practices in SoCal and you guys gotta check out her IG I loved going through seeing all your stories everything you posted we'll be sure to put in the show notes but thank you so much for joining us i'm excited to be here always excited for the black girl energy yes um, yes just all of it all of it is so fabulous so i'm excited to dig in and give our listeners some gems yeah appreciate it we're excited um we're all in different stages i think when it comes to like the dating and the future marriage. So we'll have a lot of fun there. But first, I wanted to just learn more about your background. You have a very extensive resume. I'd love to know like how you got started in this work and why you enjoy it. Yeah. So it's really interesting. I, you know, I'm like, I'm not new to this. I'm true to this because a lot of therapists yeah. wind up having like, it's their second career, but this mm. has been my kind of passion since day one. Right. I'm, I am a multifaceted person. Of course, I've been like a creative and things like that. But uh, when I went to undergrad, I actually majored in psychology because I knew that I wanted to work uh, helping people, helping people with mental health and just transforming their lives. Um, the inspiration origin story of kind of all the work that I do actually in my family. So my brother was diagnosed with bipolar disorder his freshman year when he went away to Morehouse. And um, actually, went he went to Duke, and then he had to come back, and then he went to Morehouse. So that's why he had like two freshman years. Um, but he, I remember seeing him struggle to find a therapist that looked like him, find a therapist that spoke mm -hmm. his language, and just recognizing that huge disparity of like the stigma of mental health, and 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 seeing that, I think that was my inspiration for, you know, wanting to understand things myself. 
Um, and so, yeah, I, I majored in psychology. I first worked in social work. Um, I went back for my master's in marriage and family therapy, and I jumped into community mental health and then eventually did private practice. And then the evolution of my doing coaching actually was my sister. So my sister was super smart, like a bookworm. She really didn't romantically develop the same as her peers. She, you know, she went to, I think she went to Stanford when she was like 15 years old. She's like super smart, but that's clearly younger than the people around you. Yeah. So, um, by the time she finished her education, her master's and stuff, she kind of was like behind the ball. Mm -hmm. And there was a summer that both of us, you know, no lie, we was both broke (laughs) in New Orleans. That's where I'm from. And I was like, sis, let me help you. I'm gonna put you on. Like, we're gonna eat steak dinners and lobster all summer long. Have a good time, you know? (laughs) And she was like, okay, sis, I'll let you help me. So I redid her profile. I like gave her a makeover. I like told her like, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And she actually met her husband. (laughs) That summer? That summer she met her (laughs) husband. She met her husband one of the first few guys to interact with her on that new profile and she almost didn't she was like I don't think I should talk to him I don't like his picture and I was like no you got got to say this you got to do this so she wound up going out with him and you know it turned into a thing and then one of her friends asked me uh let me get some of that magic touch and I wound up helping her get in a relationship and then there was like one other friend that that happened with but I was like oh my gosh this is a thing this is kind of a skill set outside of just what I know as a therapist of course being a therapist definitely helps inform mm-hmm. what I do as a dating coach because like I understand human dynamic and all of mm-hmm. those things, right? But I realized like this is its own specialty that I should also help people with. Um, and I love doing both because regardless of whether I'm doing therapy or life coaching or date coaching, at the end of the day, I work with people. I help transform people's lives in different areas, but to get progress and to be a higher version of themselves. So I'm really passionate about the work. Can you talk more about the difference between those two approaches? Because, you know, therapy is something that you can do long term, but it sounds like for my, what I would assume coaching might be something you do for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. towards a certain goal. Yeah, that's a great observation. So definitely not all therapy is long term, but certainly most people, if they find a therapist that they really love, like that's your therapist. Like I have clients that like, they're like, you gonna see me forever. Right. You know, like, for life. <laughs> yeah, they love, they love having a person who knows their story, who understands them, who keeps them accountable, who helps them see their blind spots, who can go deep, right? Or go just like, this is what's going on with work with me. So therapy to me is very expansive in the amount of mm-hmm. topics that it can cover. Um, a lot of times it will definitely connect the past, you know, like we work with trauma, we work with childhood, um, adverse childhood experiences, things like that, connecting those insights into the present day with therapy. Um, when it comes to coaching, it is more goal centric or like you're hoping to see progress in a specific part of your life. Um, it definitely tends to be a little more, not just the fields, but also like the tools. Sometimes as a coach, I am instructional, right? I'll tell a client, like, get rid of this picture. <laughs> like, this is not the picture, right? You need to do this. Or like, this is what would, this doesn't show you off in a certain way. What would make you tell a client to get rid of a picture? 
a goofy picture with like a, a, a hot dog filter on it or something, you know, like <laughs> um, people have all kinds of things that they just don't realize it's marketing them in a bad way. I can't tell you the amount of things I've just told a person flat out, take this picture off, you um, know, and they'll say, oh, I thought it was showing my sense of humor. And I'm like, the person doesn't know you. This is their first impression of you. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're eating a, a, a 20 foot long hot dog at a hot dog eating contest, maybe the person doesn't know that's a sense of humor thing. They may think you're a professional hot dog eater. <laughs> you know, so it's like, take, take that off. You know, so I would, as a therapist, I wouldn't tell a client, like, take this off, right? Mm-hmm, right. Um, it would be more like exploring, like, what do you, Why did what you do post you want? This? Why did you post this? You know, like all <laughs> around about the way. So sometimes I think of coaching as like, when you need the results and you're ready to go intense, you want to focus on it definitely as a therapist relationships come up right but if you've been to therapy you know one day you're talking about relationships one day you talk about work you talk mm-hmm. about your mom and you talk about mm-hmm. you know like all kinds of things with a coach when I see the client I'm like what's going on with these things where's the progress did you do the profile did you do this did you do that so mm-hmm. I think they're both great I love doing both of them I definitely think that they can work in harmony and not apart. So a lot of times coaching clients, I absolutely recommend they have a therapist. Um, as a therapist, I'm always recommending people to go out and get coaching for specific things that they really mm. want to see progress in. That's really cool. And yeah, I just thought maybe you could be like the black millionaire matchmaker. Like that oh, show has to I come love back. It. <laughs> it does need to come back. It yeah. does need to come back. I I that is one of the shows that I definitely watch and uh, you know, my husband like doesn't like when I watch it because I'll pause it and be like, "This is the problem with this person." Da, 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 da. And then she'll <laughs> do it, and then he'll be like, "See, I told you." And he's like, "We can't even watch this show without you screaming at the TV every ten minutes." <laughs> but you know what that makes me think of is like how because I like that show too. What was her name like Patty Singer or something? Like yeah, that? Mm-hmm. she she had she found results, but she was also like super critical of people sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, I just started thinking about Kevin Samuels and how he was supposed to be like a coach, <laughs> but, you know, and I don't know. I don't very know. Critical. Super critical. Like tough people, love. Like tough love. Yeah. Thoughts on that approach? So it is not my style and I'm sure it's not my style because my first background is as a therapist. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're there. I, I, I think that there are therapists that are tough love. It's not my approach. You know, to me, there's a range of tools and I'm going to attempt every tool first to avoid doing it the most harsh way. Now, mm-hmm. I will say sometimes people do need to hear it the harsh stripped down way. And if you are good at your job, you should be able to do it if that's the tool that needs to be done to get the client the result that they want. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I think of it. Like, I'm going to tell you the first time, like, okay, maybe not this or like, oh, you keep going towards these types of people. Like, let's, what do you think about this? And then one day I'm going to say, okay, these are the same men that keep playing you. Ah, (laughs) You keep signing up for it. And if they say, well, this is what they like, okay, well, we've tried it your way. It doesn't work. Do you want to try my way or do you want to try your way with the same results you've been having? And sometimes that like you, there's no way to run, right? The message is there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that is the moment that the client actually is like, their ego is like open to actually pivoting. So 
the method I won't I won't totally bless the method it is necessary like a hammer is sometimes necessary it's just not my first tool it's not my favorite tool to use mm-hmm. I really do believe that you can usually 95% of the time find a way to say something in a way that's palatable that inspires people so for me Kevin Samuels you know like a broken clock is right twice a day I will never say that he was 100% wrong I do not believe that at all mm-hmm. I think that there was some merit to a decent portion of what he said. When I say decent portion, I ain't even talking about 50%. (laughs) There were pieces that I was like, okay, I see where he's going with this. So I've I've had to tell people this before. However, for me, I'm more interested in building people up and empowering them. And I think if your message ultimately leaves people with a negative taste and they feel torn down, then you don't really create the change that you say you want to make. And so- I'd rather do things from a loving perspective where people actually feel in- inspired to take the advice that I'm trying to give and to enact it because ultimately it should be about the improvement of the person. And when we do that, I prefer to lift people up. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Can you share more about your therapy styles? Um, so there's CBT, but then I have never heard of narrative humanistic person centered (laughs) mindfulness therapy yeah so really what it is is that I'm an eclectic therapist or um there's different terms for it right uh I'm pretty integrative therapist meaning that I don't believe that you can treat each client the exact same way because everyone Mm -hmm. is different just like I talked about the different tools right there are clients that I may take a very um uh person-centered humanistic approach meaning that the client uh is the focus and it's about their perspective and I'm creating an authentic environment for them to be able to share, which is one of my favorite ways to do things. Right. And that approach may be very different than like the most traditional therapy, which is like psychoanalytic or maybe psychodynamic therapy, which is like Freudian where your therapist Mm. is a blank slate and they're just like, looking at you. (laughs) Tell me about yourself. Yeah. Tell me about yourself. How's it make you feel? You know, like, oh, this reminds you of your mother, right? Uh, Again, that tool, sometimes the not giving a client anything to read works, Um, but it's not my favorite style. Doesn't resonate with me, but I also don't think it resonates with a lot of my clients. And it's because I'm a majority majority with um, Black and Brown people and Mm -hmm. people of color, right? And there's even studies that show that when you do not emote at all, right, that that's not a preferred method Mm. for people to feel engaged or for people to even feel safe. Mm -hmm. Um, So the styles that I tend to gravitate towards are the ones that I think work, they resonate with me, but they also resonate a lot with my client. Um, In terms of CBT, like cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, that's a lot of like challenging uh, challenging thought patterns, finding out um, where thought distortions are. And for some people that can feel like the therapist is the expert because you may tell me mm-hmm. something and I'm actually challenging, did that, did that happen that way? How do you know that when she turned away from you that it was actually jealousy? What mm-hmm. if she had a phone call? What if that, you know? So for some people that's not gonna work because they're like, my reality is my reality. Um, So you really have to listen Mm. to what the client is needing, right, to really pick out the styles that are going to be best for them, which is why I pull from a lot of different styles. 
Oh, that's so interesting. So you're responsive in the moment in some ways. Yes, absolutely. Oh, for sure. I'm a, I'm a very responsive therapist. I consult with anybody who is interested in doing therapy with me because I'm like, I don't even go waste your time. <laughs> mm. I want to know what's going on with you, right? I'm going to tell you about myself. I'm going to tell you about my style. See if that feels good for you in the like 20 or 30 minutes that we talk. And then, uh, yeah, I truly believe that people get the best results when they have a great connection with their therapist. And you can kind of tell if you're going to have a good connection with somebody, even from just like, you know, a conversation. Yeah. So when I tell people like, I'm not a very like silent, just looking at you therapist, like we're going to talk, like we're definitely going to laugh. I think levity mm-hmm. is so important. Yes. I, you know, me and my clients be laughing sometimes in, in, <laughs> in therapy. And I think that it just, it's just what you need sometimes you You need to laugh sometimes I love that yeah I just think that you really have to find the right fit and the best fit for me is a mix I really be key keying with my therapist like so I know that I said I wasn't gonna do that and then I did it and she'd be like Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I think that is really really important and having that rapport and it's really interesting to hear how like you are malleable and kind of like changing as you're getting to know your therapist and Mm -hmm. I'm also not surprised that a lot of black and brown folk do not respond well to like Freudian style Mm -hmm. dry engagements Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm curious, because I feel like we've talked about this amongst ourselves before. Do you believe to some capacity that everyone should be in therapy? I, it's a a tricky question. The truth is, is I think everyone should do healing work. Mm. I don't think that therapists have a locking key on healing work. The truth is the origin of therapy is a white male created, (laughs) uh, created field. And we're changing it every day. And I think Mm -hmm. that that change is so important, but we do not have ownership of healing work. People have Mm -hmm. been doing healing work all around the world, all different types of ways and effectivity. Um, I believe that therapy can be a wonderful resource for the majority of people. And as a therapist, I'm telling everybody from the root of to the suit to go to therapy, right? But when people say everyone needs to go to therapy, right? I'm Mm. like, that's actually not true there are Mm -hmm. people who are doing so well that you know some self-help books some spiritual resources some this and that is enough for them to do their healing work Mm -hmm. um whereas a lot of people especially in this country the way that this country traumatizes so many people does need therapy work and that's totally fine you mentioned earlier that you see a lot of black and brown people um and so my co-hosts know that I work with a woman who is very interesting, um, who refers to herself. She's a white woman, but she says mm-hmm. that she's basically black. She told me that the other day and she's looking for a therapist. And she said she had to have a black woman therapist because she's basically a black woman. The, the way Girl, the don't bring this on here. With, don't, I know don't, I'm don't. saying it now and it's literally hurting my fucking chest I had to check her this today on some other shit I'll talk about it in another episode um I was disturbed by that for many reasons but I also wondered if there's something to be said about like white people going to see black and brown therapists to undo any kinds of like Mm. you know bigotry or just things that are 
in debt, like yeah. you know, embedded in okay, them. But then I does see, that, okay. but but does that end up making the therapist have to do like a different type of emotional labor? You know, it's a really interesting um, cross crosshairs. So there's different opposing thoughts on it. You know, I think some of the hardest cultural racial work that all the therapists were doing was at the height of 2020, right? Mm-hmm. It was brutal. And every therapist I knew was like, oh, you know, um, and it is totally possible for a client to racially injure their therapist in mm-hmm. in session that's totally possible um yeah I've, I've definitely had people who've challenged my education or my expertise and it felt like it was maybe a microaggression and you have to process that as a therapist you need to have your own safe space to process with right. your own therapist or with your colleagues to consult um ultimately ultimately the duty of care is on me right so I have to figure out a way to process what comes up for me, but what comes up for me is information for the client as well. Because if you're insulting your therapist, you're insulting other people. Mm -hmm. So it's about creating that safe container where, you know, this can be explored and this can be healing opportunity for everyone. Um, If she wants a black therapist, she should go find a black therapist. But, you know, I would say that the therapist probably is going to be somebody who, already is pretty seasoned with doing the type of social political um Mm -hmm. theoretical work where they're going to feel prepared for that um in terms of when I've had like I I had a post on my Instagram called black people are in an abusive relationship with America and Mm -hmm. it went pretty well I mean it got thousands of shares and I did a whole like pdf on it people taught at a university I just Mm. used the domestic violence rule and I replaced it with all of the symptoms of we're literally in abusive relationship, Mm. economic abuse, intimidation, coercion, gaslighting. We have all the symptoms of abusive relationship, demanding that we be peaceful, even as they're not accountable, all those things. And there were a lot of people were like, oh, this is so powerful. You know, like I want to do anti-racist work. You know, would you be my therapist? And Mm -hmm. I just was honest. I don't have the capacity for that right now what I need to use my time on is the clients my existing clients and supporting black and brown people but I do know some great white therapists who are committed to their anti-racist work who can help Mm -hmm. you in that journey just like one of the best books for for white people is like the white fragility book it's like it's written Mm -hmm. by a white person right you know they're in the skin to understand you better (laughs) and to make it most palatable. So that's always my top suggestion for people who say they really want to do anti-racist work. That was beautifully said. Yeah. Yeah. Glenn, I didn't know where you were going with that. (laughs) That made me nervous, but that was very interesting. Um, I'm going to shift gears and actually move on to your work with couples. So how is it working with couples? We've got a future wife in here. Flash the ring. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> on the <laughs> upcoming nuptials. How is it working with couples? I mean, couples take more bandwidth than individuals, right? There's two people in the room. There's a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, currently I have a small private practice. I'm, I'm full right now. But when I do work with couples at this point, it's mostly for premarital, um, okay. which I think premarital is great work. I suggest it to everybody. My style of premarital is like, you know, we kind of do eight sessions and we have different topics that we go through, like money, trust, infidelity, you know, uh, mm-hmm. division of labor, family planning and parenting. Like we cover 
the bases and look at each area. And I'm telling you, if you cover them areas, <laughs> you know, you're going to get the juice that you need to be doing the work. That's awesome. Um, because it really is the top things that wind up undermining uh, marriages. But I'm a big fan of investing in the relationship that is one of the biggest decisions you're going to make in your life. Um, mm-hmm. It is worth it to have those talks in advance. And I definitely think it's worth it to have those talks with a professional. Yeah, I love that. I mean, they say like most people break up because they didn't have those important conversations mm-hmm. before they got married. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. in the dating process, mm-hmm. is it ever too early to bring up those conversations or should we re- should we be talking about that on early dating stages? There's different there's different thoughts around this. Um, I'll speak from my thought, my method. So my main date coaching uh, group is my own method. It's called the Diamond Dating League. And basically I have like the stages that I want people to go through. I am a fan of just making connection in the earliest stages of dating, not necessarily grilling somebody for their 100% are you my life partner because mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, when we do that, we're, it's, we're not building intimacy. We are really a checklist. And I think yes. so many women have felt this before where you go on a date and the guys ask you this, oh, what about this? What about this? And it almost feels like, okay, before you even get to know me, you're asking me a checklist to make sure that I'm not canceled out. Mm-hmm. I think that leaves a bad taste in people's mouth, right? So a lot of times I really just want people, if, if you're going to do any type of, should I even quote unquote, waste my time, which I try to get my clients out of the thought of wasting time mm-hmm. because you're not wasting time you're learning you're experiencing life mm-hmm. right um <clears throat> have a phone conversation people don't want to pick up the phone no more but it's free okay it's free and it's convenient and if you actually talk to a person on the phone if the conversation is dry after 10 minutes that's telling you a lot about how is it going to be in person you know so mm-hmm. if you have a free phone conversation and you feel like you can talk to them easy for 30 minutes, there was some kikin, there was some laughing, you know, it seemed straight. They were able to tell you they have a house, a job, you know, a place. They're not living with their their <laughs> 17 roommates or their mom. You know, like if you can just pass that initial phone conversation, I think when you show up to the first date, you should just be open to connection. And you should keep that going for a while until you actually feel like you want to start giving this person a decent piece of consideration of your time. But I'm mm-hmm. also a fan of date multiple people. So that's why I'm like, we don't even need to get that heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Have well, your then, roster. I, I like this. This this transitions us nicely into my, my dating section. But actually, I did want to ask before we jump into more around like dating, it, is there something that like with your couples is like a key takeaway that you want them to have? Yeah, I think definitely when you do couples therapy, you really need to, number one, have your listening ears on and everything that's happened before you step into the couples therapy room, we need to both come in with the energy of let's see where this goes. Because a lot of times the therapist needs to get to know you and people are like, we've already tried this. I I told her this already Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she's still doing it, you know, and it's like, Oh yeah, you can tell him that but he's okay. Well, if you guys already know anything and it's locked in, then there's nowhere to go from here. Mm-hmm. So the moment that you actually decide, let's get professional support, everyone's ego needs to come down and be open to like, I'm going to give you the opportunity to change and you're going to give me the opportunity to change. And it's not going to be perfect, but we're both working towards the same goal. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. 
Well, Glenn, you are probably one of the most interesting people I know <laughs> as a dater. So I don't know how much you're going to comment in on here, but Bree, you have a series of like IG reels that I went through. You discuss like dating dilemmas, dating advice, and like so much more. I was like deep in your page for a really long time. And usually when we're prepping for episodes, I'm like, okay, let me like get to know them a little bit. But I was like, damn, I could be on here forever. (laughs) It's really, really great stuff. And again, listeners, we will share all her information because y'all will probably go deep into the rabbit hole like I did. But I'm curious around like what some of the most common challenges you see people have when dating. Oh, I think dating culture is, is, it is more unique <laughs> than it's been in the past mm-hmm. decades. I think that there's like almost oversaturation of dating advice from lots mm. of non-credible sources and <laughs> posturing on social media is just it is really making it very hard for people mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people don't actually take time to challenge what it is that they need and want mm-hmm. in a relationship truly deeply need, right I think so many people are focused on these kind of trophy elements that mm. everyone is like walking around saying that they want, right? Oh, six like, figures. Yeah, I want the six figures. I want to be six feet. I want this. I want that. The men are saying like, she needs to do this. She can't be this. She can't be that. Right? And it's like, <laughs> okay, but what about your deeper actual needs? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't have a mom growing up who was affectionate. You need somebody who's affectionate. Like that's a deeper need than a person you know, having a BBL body or whatever. <laughs> so it's kind of like, I think that's one of the top challenges is the amount of looking on social media and everyone sees the grass is green over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're like, oh, well, I want to do these exact things with my partner. And it's like, but you don't even know how to show up on a date. How are you gonna get mm. the party and you don't show up on a date? You know, like he needs to, he needs to, we need to, we need to buy houses together and become real estate. And we want a house in here. And like, if he doesn't know how to invest, I'm like, but you don't text people back. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start there. (laughs) I think that's a big part of it. It's like, (laughs) that's a big part of it. There was a, there was, um, I feel like it was a book. It was, it was about um, people building and it was talking about um, people before they have children already deciding what they want their children to be like and who they want their children to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard that term and I was like, oh my gosh, so many people do do that. They're like literally trying to build specific people. Mm-hmm. And I actually think people do that in dating as well. Definitely. They Without like have like, this is my person. And if you're not that, then get out of my face. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest struggles, as well as just the culture of like who can care the least wins. Mm, There's yes. such an inauthenticity, and everyone is so afraid to actually be vulnerable um, that it makes dating really hard. That and the use the disposableness of mm-hmm. of dating. Oh my god! Girl, you I just love named like you just many said. things. It's I'm a lot like, of problems. Damn, everybody's 
Right. I'm like, we always say the dating pool has feces in it. (laughs) You know, here's the thing. I always, I, I always try to encourage people to have a positive mind around dating because the truth is, is that there is a lid for every pot. And if you are a good person and you genuinely want a good connection, I promise you that there is your counterpart out there waiting for you, but you're not going to get to your counterpart if you've convinced yourself that they don't exist and they're in poopoo water, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I yeah. wouldn't, if, if, if somebody told me, oh, the, the, the dream Chanel bag that you want is in that doo-doo water. I would be like, I'm good. I don't even want to go in there. You know, like I, I haven't lived with all the I can time. Rinse it off. Yeah, is it in a box or a bag? (laughs) I'm I'm wondering though, like I know that like we shouldn't have this checklist, but like where's the line between the checklist and having standards or the checklist Mm -hmm. and having like, you know, things that you are not willing to forego. Yeah. Yeah. I totally believe in having, you know, one of the first exercises that I do with any of my diamonds is like wants versus needs versus deal breakers versus your compromises Mm. right and what I find is most people do not have a list of compromises Mm. they have a list of things that they say are needs and a lot of them are wants Mm. and the thing is is I'm not saying you're only going to get your needs met you're going to get your needs met you're going to get like 85 percent of your wants but you are going to compromise you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's the part that's the blind spot for a lot of people. So a classic example is people say, well, I'm very social. I need somebody who, when I go to a party, I don't want them hanging around me. They need to be able to, to be like a social butterfly like me. And it's like, do you actually need another social right. butterfly? Or do no, you ma'am. need somebody who's just not going to hold you back? Right. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to feel, you don't want to feel like somebody's trying to shrink you do you what if your partner is like go be a social butterfly i'm chilling over here i'm fine are they just a person who talks to one person maybe that's the compromise maybe the compromise is your partner doesn't care if you be out with your friends and stuff and as long as you all have your date night too they're good and the people are like mm-hmm. oh okay well yeah i could do that and it's like see but what you were about to do when you said this was a need right was get rid of anybody who's mm-hmm. an introvert which is like a large portion of people right yeah something else that I think is really important oh sorry Chelsea this will be quick is just that like it it is really interesting I think being like on the dating side and the therapy side because for me I was someone who was like, I need someone to like communicate with me all the time. Like I love someone who's texting me and calling me all the time. And my boyfriend probably has no idea where his phone is half of the time. I really want to get him a beeper so he could just be like <laughs> alive because he's a, he's just not good with the phone. And I used to take mm-hmm. it really personally, but then I realized like it's across the board. Like mm-hmm. I'd be having to tell him, call your mama, like mm-hmm. respond to your friends. And so mm-hmm. once I took it out of like, he's not texting me because he doesn't want to talk to me. And like, I had to re also analyze why do I need so much attention? Mm-hmm. Because I need to be feel reaffirmed all the time that it was like, it's not about someone who's going to text you all the time. It's just when he sees me, he's like, damn, I really missed you. And I'm glad, you know, we were spending time together and you look really nice today, opposed to texting me shenanigans all damn day. Yeah. But it's like, you have to like dig deep into really even understanding like what yeah. where does this need even come from yeah absolutely I, yeah I also feel like our generation 
I don't know if it's a good or bad thing that like, like, is it good that maybe our standards are becoming higher or is it bad that we're almost in la la land that like, Mm -hmm. if anyone has any flaw, it's like settling. Like if anyone's Mm -hmm. perfect, it's like Mm -hmm. settling. And it's like, people don't, people think like, like people will post things like if I got to argue or not argue, if it's difficult, then it's not meant to be or something like that. I don't want it. Right. Yeah. It's like, but that's a relationship. Like Mm -hmm. people go through ups and downs and it's like how they navigate all of that. But I feel like a lot of women our age are just like, no, if it's not easy, I don't want it. Nothing truly great and worth having is without some type of process that requires flexibility and a little bit of sacrifice or our hardship, if you will. That's just the truth, right? Um, To become a millionaire, for the majority of people who don't get a lottery ticket, it means years of of working and cultivating an idea and pitching and selling and like refining that process. Everyone wants the end of the story. People want the final chapter, but they don't want to go through the middle of the book, which is where (laughs) all of the things happen, you know? So I, I... that's one of the top things that I definitely challenge is like people's inability to be flexible and flexibleness is a bad symptom in psychology and it's a bad symptom in dating as well so that's why the compromise is so important and just like you said that deeper need right the need was about reassurance and security and that can be met not just through a phone call that can be met somewhere else so that's why I definitely recommend like when people have a lot of struggle in their dating life, um, the best thing that you can do is get professional support. I love that. I also wonder, cause just speaking to you now, I have like, I'm thinking of even more things, but I wonder like, okay, yes, dating, you should bend or like learn how to compromise, learn how to work. But then where is the point of maybe we're incompatible? Maybe mm-hmm. this doesn't uh-huh. work. How do you find that line? I think that uh, good relationships should result in some type of improvement to yourself. And when a relationship is just, you're not growing, you're not improvement, you're more miserable than you're happy, it's consistent. It's time to get out. Mm -hmm. You should be practicing an abundant mindset so that you know if you do have to let go of a relationship, it's okay. There's more love out there for you. And I think when you really show up with that intention and with that insightfulness, not just impulsively dropping anything that doesn't work, anything at the first sign Mm -hmm. of a bump, there's going to be a type of peace that you have about when you let that relationship go. I'm not a fan of holding on to relationships, struggling, dragging, dragging, letting it drag out forever just Mm -hmm. because you're like loyal. Sometimes people need to challenge that sense of loyalty can be misplaced. Um, But also just like the quickness of with which people give up is its own issue as well. So it's mm-hmm. about like this balance. It's really mm-hmm. about this balance of being present and open to relationships, taking part in them, but doing the maintenance work to try to keep it alive. But when, if, if the situation is bad, get out of there. And I absolutely 100% do not recommend anybody saying relationships what I call the triple A's, abuse, addiction, affairs, go ahead and get up out of there. Okay. Triple Again, A's. if you're married, you want to try to work it out after some affair or something, I have nothing to say to you. You should do your attempts, right? But 
chronic, 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 let it go. Let it go. That made me think of who's that woman we listened to, Shade? Esther Perel. Yeah, because you talked about in your in your pre premarital therapy sessions that you you discuss like infidelity. finance, infidelity. What were the mm-hmm. others? Trust, intimacy, parenting, family planning. Yeah. So I wonder, framework. is there like one that if it's not working, it's like a no? Nope, because because a relationship, especially like something like a marriage, like the thing is, is everyone focuses on the love story. But once you're actually married, you're living life now. You're, mm-hmm. you're just living life with your partner. You know what I mean? So life is happening. That means people are going to get sick. Jobs are going to be lost. People are going to make more money. People are going to have children. Like life is happening and you can't predict life. Mm-hmm. And a vulnerability in one area could just be a vulnerability that goes on, but it can also be a breaking point. Parenting can break a relationship. Money can break a relationship. Infidelity can make a relationship. Trust can break a relationship. Of course, you have your like top things that people talk about. Like people say like money is like a number one thing mm-hmm. that breaks relationships. And yeah, money is a significant piece, but it's because money honestly creates so much more stress money is never just money it's like respect it's power it's security mm. it's comfort it's yep. all the things money is like the number one represents yes. exactly it's trust mm-hmm. it's, it's more than just money right oh my gosh i could talk to you forever okay i want to talk about this ig post i think it'll be really interesting i know everyone hasn't seen it but i'll try to sum it up the best that i can and chelsea mm-hmm. please interject mm-hmm. um so someone i know made an instagram post and she said uh, kind of the backstory was that she was supposed to go on a date her date um got a, had a COVID scare and she was like i still look cute i'm ready to go out if anyone wants to take me on a date hit me up and she got a million replies like damn like you just kicking him to the curb like you don't even care like you're not dating with intention or whatever and she was like hmm I feel like this whole concept of dating with intention is a red flag um and I think the premise or at least what the way I understood it was that not the premise like the crux of what she was trying to say was that when people go in dating with intentions the way I understood it was you kind of have already created certain boundaries. Like you are at times creating a certain checklist. You often have something already in mind, like an end goal. Um, She spoke a lot about how some women go into dating thinking this next guy is my husband. And that, that creates a kind of challenging dating environment. She's like, you should date to get to know someone to have fun um, and see what comes of it. Mm-hmm. Am I missing I, anything, Chelsea? Or did you understand yeah, it differently? Please? I understand it. I understood it totally differently. Okay. When I saw it, I was just like, she talked about like, if you want to get married, just get an arranged marriage. But I'm like, isn't everyone what sort of dating mean? with intention? Like, isn't your intent if you're dating, unless you're just like, you know, young in college, just literally just having fun and you don't care. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about marriage. But like at our age, I think the woman was like 37. Mm-hmm. Um 37 and single and she said she wanted to be married so I'm like then shouldn't you be dating with intent with the intent of finding 
someone who is your person. I don't know. Like it, it was kind of when I watched it, I was like, you seem very difficult to deal with. <laughs> and like, I feel bad for the men you go on dates with. That's what I got from it. But yeah. <laughs> this is a fascinating a case story. Yeah. <laughs> we'll send you the you video know, after. Yeah, we'll send you the video so you can like watch it fully. But so her date had a COVID scare. She was still dressed up. She wanted to go somewhere. I'm not mad at her for it. Um, the guy, I don't know, it, you know, was this a guy that she'd been on eight dates with and she was really feeling like he was a dude she was zoning in on? Or is this just like a first, second date? You don't owe anybody anything. She wants to go out. She, she dressed up. I get it, girl. You didn't put on your makeup is expensive. Perfume <laughs> is expensive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so she's like, we're not wasting the fancy highlighter. Like it's being used. I'm not mad at it. Um, the 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 subsequent lecture of why are you dating with intention that's where I'm like eh, it's okay to date with intention absolutely mm-hmm. especially I I really do not believe that every piece of advice is applicable to every person mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. there's different pieces of advice when I have somebody coming in and they're in their 20s and their standards are like super high and they're quite picky I'm like for the most part, like, okay, like, let's keep doing the process, right? I'm going to help you refine it. But a part of dating at that age is to also learn. And it's okay to sometimes have these, you know, it doesn't have to be exact. But if a client tells me, you know, I'm 34, I really want to have kids, I want to get married. That's, that's one of the most important goals in my life, more important to me than whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So that requires a different dating plan because you do need to be more intentional because there is a specific window that you're trying to get this result in that's less than somebody who's in their 20s. So I'm going to start challenging like, okay, you say you're never going to date a man with kids. Okay, well now you're dating men this age to this age. There's some good ones that have kids. What about these arrangements with kids? I'm like, oh, okay. So like, let's get rid of that world, you know, and to change Mm -hmm. things up. But that means you have intention because you are ultimately dating, hoping for a specific goal in mind. There is a difference between intention and control, mm-hmm. right? I have the intention to show up and serve my clients the best way possible. I cannot control exactly how they respond to me. And if they don't respond to me, then it's not in alignment. You're fired as a client. It's like, okay, <laughs> right. it's gracious. You know, like an, an, an intention is really an energy it's a it's a high value it's what you move towards but every single interaction is not going to be perfectly aligned to give you that goal and that is okay so i'm fine with people dating with intention yes i I think the way once again be flexible the way i understood it and it's and it's super interesting and that's why i was like chelsea how did you understand it because also like there's so much perspective and like our own past experiences like for me I I took away what she said very well because I feel like in the past I have I have been so like okay I'm gonna date this person and they're going to become this thing because I'm a very controlling person so letting that down and just being like I'm gonna get to know this person and I because I think they're cool and I think they're cute and let's see what happens next and then you know you keep going and keep going and of course yes like the end goal is to see like could this be someone that I spend an extensive amount of time with but the key for me that I took away was that 
you just have to go in with it to have fun. And like, if you're like, this wasn't a good date. Okay, cool. Whatever. Move on. And I liked that perspective because I feel like a lot of women, myself included, do go so into a date like, okay, here we go. I think this is the one. And then there's a lot of pressure on the date. Yeah, 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 but I don't think that means you don't date with intention. Like I think no, she like mm-hmm. took it real far. Totally. totally. I do right. wonder if you're supposed to date with the intention of getting married. Like she said, me, she wants to get married. That's she said just I, I find it so interesting. Like I was at a wedding this weekend, and these this couple is just is oh my god, beautiful. Their love is crazy, and they just talk so much about like their relationship with each other as friends. Um, and it just happened over time. And I started to think about how I feel like there's a rhetoric around like finding love as like something to like a box to check or like mm. finding or like getting married as a box to check versus like the, all the like stuff in between, like all the, the relationship, the love, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, which I kind of feel like the, the approach of entering into it with just being like, where could this go? What could blossom here? It's like a different kind of mindset. I think it's a different kind of mindset. I mean, but I will tell you, it's not one of the mindsets I encourage very strongly <laughs> just because, <laughs> because you could wind up with a lot of time wasters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm very in favor of is people doing the work, get a professional because they're going to help you get to the heart of the matter for you. Sometimes when I talk to people, I know that marriage is not their ultimate goal and that's, it's perfectly fine. But sometimes marriage is extremely important to people. And it's not up to me to, to challenge why it's important to you, right? Mm-hmm. If it's really a desire of your heart, and some people know that without that commitment, they're not going to feel safe and secure inside of their mm-hmm. relationship, right? Mm-hmm. My job is to help you be honest about what it is that truly fulfills you and then to try to help you to get to that place. So what that means is if marriage is this piece that you deeply desire and crave, and again, who am I to say that it's bad or good, right? Then do not date people that are like, well, I don't know. I just kind of, maybe, I don't know if I want to get married. It's like a piece of paper to me. Like Mm -hmm. that's when you're not in intention. Mm -hmm. If you want a W-9, if you want a full-time job, do (laughs) not keep taking 1099 work. Do not go to a company that don't have no employees. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. you're going to wind up doing a bunch of work and you're going to always be resentful that you never got those benefits that you deeply desire to give you the security that you need. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's I, really just about people being very, very honest, honest about what it is that works for them. Mm-hmm. And the problem with all of this information is people are telling you what works for them, but they're not considering individually how this is going to spread across a bunch of people. It's not going to work for everybody. Mm -hmm. So you also have to listen with a discerning ear. And I am also a fan of like, maybe listening to people who have what it is that you want. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how, okay. I'm not trying to be shady, but she's, but she said that she, wait, let me just, okay, go ahead. She's 37 year old, unmarried woman, no shade to that. Like live Mm -hmm. your life. This is 2022. Um, but people are taking her advice who want 
to be married and want to <laughs> not hear that. have her her situation. So why are mm-hmm. you listening to her? Like that's the wrong person to get advice from, in my opinion. But I just I need to ask this question. Shadi, you want to say something about her? Yes. All I was gonna say is she said it was dating advice. She said if you want to be married, I don't know nothing about that. I have she said get married. an arranged marriage. She said you can go that's get an arranged marriage. Facetious. <laughs> exactly. It was <laughs> so it was so um what's the word? It was like putting know. people down. I I don't know. I didn't like it. But anyways um I have a question because I have a lot of friends that are dating and I'm, I'm living in LA black women dating here is kind of hard if you want a black man because all I keep seeing are black men with non-black women hmm. what advice would you give to a beautiful professional incredibly kind black woman who's going on all these dates and they're not really going anywhere like they're not really texting back about a second date or being serious she always has to initiate like do you have any advice would you say with black men specifically with black men yeah do you say you know try another type maybe do you try another type as a as a piece of I would never say that. (laughs) (laughs) That was wild. Sorry, sorry. It's a wild statement to me because I don't believe in like there's like you know white men are not the saviors of no, 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 no. Of black it's, woman it's, relationship it's issues not. right <laughs> um but I am I, I do think that what I always challenge people are like is is if you seriously want to be in relationship you seriously want to be married you seriously want to have partnership you really want love in your life is the definition of that love being black love is that the most is your partner being a black man more important Mm. than you having the love that you want for your life Mm. if the answer is no open your doors if the answer is yes then i'm just gonna put one more challenge out there are you martyring yourself for a cause (laughs) not martyring yourself for you Mm. all right now (laughs) my husband is persian i mostly dated black men in my history i truly felt that i would need to marry a black man at the very least a person of color because i just felt that level of comfort i needed Mm -hmm. my husband is persian he grew up in in iran He, he immigrated to canada i feel so racially safe with my husband Mm-hmm. so safe and I think that is actually the deepest need that black women have mm. want to feel safe mm-hmm. with our partner mm-hmm. right if I told you I could find you somebody who you would feel safe with and they would provide you with the love and the resource all those things I feel like a lot of people would say yes which is why I always go back to do not continue to struggle in your dating life get yourself treat your dating life the way you do anything else when when black women want something we want to start a business we go take a business course we get a business coach when we want you know this we get a travel planner we do all these things when it comes to love that's the part where it's like it should just happen and it's like no invest mm. in that area of your life and you will produce results listen the girl's gonna be uh looking up a uh, persian oh, oh yeah well. <laughs> <laughs> she did not oh say that God. they're the savior but i understood they are said. not they yes, are not yes. there's nobody that's the savior i will never you're never going to catch me down uh, you know degrading black men my dad is a black man my brother is a black man there are so many good black men i work with good black men this is really just about finding people love and that love is going to look different for people 
And so you should just be open to figuring out what that love is for you. Mm-hmm. As we I close out, because I know people are going to want some of these gems, especially people that are dating. Um, you shared a post that 2.5 couples meet online and that dating opportunities come from going outside. That's what happened to Yes, me. 100%. <laughs> it's it's like 45 percent of couples are online now so I tell people if you're not online you are leaving 40 plus percent chance for your connection on the ground on 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 the app so you need to open yourself up to that and then statistically just like it's particularly women above uh 30 they need to be social in order to facilitate the likelihood of meeting somebody I would say you know, the person not going to ride up on a horse inside of your apartment. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. people can't find you if you're in your apartment. You mm. need to leave your house and, and date with intention. By I think it sounds to me, Shade, I'd be up. in these streets, girl. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm like, kidding. What? You'd be at the... Not I do, but I'm, you'll find your <laughs> I'm not looking for a partner. Well, well, great. That's great. <laughs> Um, I also had a question because I was talking to one of my, the people, women that live in my building. Um, she is, I think she's like 34 um, and a virgin. And we were talking and she was like, dating has become a little tougher because, and she's not a virgin because of like uh, religious or it just never happened. Um, any advice? Should she be telling people this? Is she obligated to tell people this? How would She's you? She's not obligated that? to tell people this. First, second, third date, you want to be put for with not providing. If she doesn't, sex isn't even on the table at that point, especially not for her. So she should not introduce that topic because it's almost like making sure a person jumps a hurdle before there's even intimacy to for a person to have a buy-in as to whether or not they like you. Because certainly by thirty-four. Um, we'll say it's it's more average, right? It's like more expected that somebody has some sexual history behind them. So if you don't have that, it's kind of like going to a job interview and being like, so I've never had a job, but mm-hmm. it's like, that's like the first thing that should not come out of your mouth. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. I should be getting to know you. Why do you want to work here? What skills do you have that may have come from other places, right? And then mm. as we do our third interview, if that's something you want to disclose, great. But by that time, I already like you and I'm like okay this is not a deal breaker let me just Mm -hmm. say I have had clients that are virgins in their 20s and 30s before and I have gotten them results and they have gotten married okay because that's the other thing I'd be saying y'all be listening to all these people where are the testimonials (laughs) okay (laughs) where are the testimonials where are the receipts oh my god where are the receipts (laughs) that show me that what you talking about works for people so (laughs) You know, it's not, it's not the end of the world, but it's definitely not something you should be mentioning first, second, third date. You should be trying to get to know the person make sure that they even feel emotionally safe. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it's something yes. that you want to stay exploring with a person and then disclose that information. Wow. Safety. It's very key. well said. Safety is And key. also I'm just getting from lots of different A lot of this. Places Absolutely. I... And I know the girls feel the same way. We have loved speaking to you today. Mm-hmm. It was really, really Thank a pleasure. You. Thank you for the gems. Thank you for the transparency. Um, 
I hope to see you on a screen soon setting people up because I <laughs> love your banter and just everything about you. I'm like, you would be so good on a show. Amazing. Um, until then, where can people find you? Your Instagram, all the, yes. the info. I hope to see you on the show too. Fingers crossed, y'all. If you liked what I did, send me positive energy. That would be yes. appreciated. Um, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active at the gathered life. All one, well, three words, all no spaces, right? The gathered life. Um, I'm also on Twitter, on TikTok, on Facebook. My website, www.thegatheredlife.com. I will help you gather your life. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. Thank you all. This was wonderful. All right. So good. Thank you. Bye. Fuck. I had a better on red. What's happening in Iran with those women? Next time. Um, (laughs) All right. Chelsea, you have a what would you do? I have a what would you do? And I'm not going to say it's about me, but I have a what would you do? So what would you do if you no longer worked somewhere and you get word that your previous manager, who was a Diablo, Mm. um, was talking shit about you? Because you now work for their competitor. So basically, someone I know told me that, you know, people from their old job are literally hitting them up, talking about how fucking terrible it is. Mm. And like, can you put in a word for me at this new place? If spaces open up, blah, blah, blah. Um, Because these people are really passionate about what they do and like are avid fans of the company they work at but unfortunately Mm -hmm. the the um the manager is not great and in fact they all had a group trip together and the manager was talking shit about my friend and saying like oh yeah I heard she works at x place which is our competitor and like rolled her eyes and all this shit and I'm just like you're such a loser like I would so the pray, person is pray for that person. I would I would pray that that person can be a better person because yeah. um, that's sad. Um, I don't understand how they can have beef with this former employee. And it's also very strange to just have like who how are you having beef with your employees in the first place? And and another what would you do? What would you do if you went to your manager and you said, hey, manager, two people from our team have left and you've given me all of their work, manager. You haven't given me a promotion or a raise, manager, yet you want me to pick up all this extra work, manager. I feel very overwhelmed. I don't think I can handle all of this. And your manager tells you, don't ever tell me that you feel overwhelmed. That's the fucking point of a manager. Who else are you supposed to tell? That person needs to escape, get free, get on that LinkedIn, start hitting up contacts. And you know, I'm good for it. Uh, Fire me. I want to see, I want to see something. (laughs) 
because I will have the receipts. You need to record all your conversations. Right. You need to record your conversation, screenshot, all of that shit. Um, There's always, not to make light, but there's always, you know, contact a mental health health professional if you're feeling overwhelmed and like documented challenge with the work and then when you go and express that you're being told that you're not supposed to say you're overwhelmed when you're doing multiple people's jobs no 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 our generation we're not doing this shit anymore yeah but 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 unfortunately not everyone I think you and I have had enough corporate experience but for some people they're not and so they get fucking railroaded and they get a shitty manager and they just fucking deal with it and you don't have to deal with it report it make sure everything's documented Mm -hmm. and because that's not okay that's the that's their job if you if you're picking up two other people's jobs and you say i i don't have the bandwidth for this so we need to figure out what the priorities are and they're not helpful. That's yeah. insane. So yeah. I don't know what the HR is like there, but that's also someone you should be speaking with. Yep. And get your ass on LinkedIn. It's always easier to get a job when you already have, have one. a job. Yes. Yes. Period. Mm. Well, I feel for this hypothetical person <laughs> Um, but it also sounds like they're on to bigger and better things. So, oh yeah, who cares? Um, and yeah, thoughts and prayers to all the miserable bosses out there because it's miserable. I don't know what to tell y'all. It's just not looking good. It's not a way to live. It's not short, a way to live. Short life. If you lack melanin, you're gonna wrinkle very fast. <laughs> so, I wish you all the best. Yes. Well. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you got some good dating advice, even a little professional advice. Yes. Um, And as always, we appreciate you. Please rate, comment, subscribe, share all the things. It's really helpful when you guys interact with our Instagram and our TikTok. It really helps us um, help fund this podcast that is independently run. I know, I think on our Spotify, it still says we're under a podcasting company, but we are not. We are independent. Um, So shout out to that. And thank you, as always. Merch, new merch is on the site. Yes. So I have to put up one more colorway at some point today. But by the time you hear this, the new color will be available. Amazing. Well, thank you for listening, as always. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to Black Girls Texting. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Oh, and don't forget to text every group chat you're in and tell them to check us out. Follow your girls at Black Girls Texting and we'll see you next week. Bye.